0: Welcome to the EdTech Marketing Podcast, hosted by Mateo Elvira, a former tech sales rep turned digital marketer. If you're an EdTech organization struggling with how to leverage the power of digital marketing, then sign up for this weekly podcast that aims to help. Week by week, our featured guests will share their top tips that you can put into action today. Let's get started.
1: Welcome back, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the EdTech Marketing Podcast. I have some really exciting friends here joining us today. We're kicking off 2024 uh, with some news for the EdTech community. Jacob Cantor, Brett Rohr. Hopefully, I pronounced that well. But uh, everybody, welcome. Welcome to another episode here. Uh, let's just hop into it here. So, Jacob and Brett, you guys are working on some exciting things at EdLit. You guys are you know, consultancies as well, but talk to us. Uh, in 2024, is buying procurement and education, is that broken? What are you seeing on your ends? Talk to us about
0: this theme. What are your thoughts here?
2: Take it away, Jacob.
0: Yeah. Uh, First off, thanks for having us. Uh, Good to be with you again. You know, some trends we've Seen over 2023 as ESSER dollars are coming to an end, right? The heyday of craziness of, you know, getting multi million dollar deals across the finish line in a matter of weeks, those days are kind of long gone, right? So a lot of the selling from the ed tech side into a district now reverts back to, you know, what we talked about on our last pod, right? Relationship selling, right? Building a relationship really talking about this is the solution. This is why I'm in the space. This is who I'm looking to impact. This is the the case studies from folks we've worked with really kind of uh, taking a, a decision maker and a buyer down that path of making the right decision for those, their students that they serve, right? So what we found over and over again is, you know, how does that happen, right? Like ASU GSV, FETC is coming up. There's some great ed tech conferences, right? Where you know, does every ed tech provider attend those? Maybe. Does every district attend those? Maybe, right? The stats for ASU GSV, which is one of the largest, right? There's a thousand or so principals, teachers, assistant assistants, or superintendents that attend, which is amazing, right? Like a thousand educators in one room doing sessions, meeting solution providers. The The challenge for Brett and I was, You know, there's over 14,000 districts out there. So if ASU GSV is the largest with bringing together a thousand folks, what happens to the other districts that don't attend or that can't travel or... Are in the other part of the country, uh, you know, F- Florida and New York, where they can't actually get to ASU GSV, which is in San Diego, right? There's a lot of great folks out there that really want to move the needle for students. And if they're not going to these conferences, how do they truly find out about solution providers, right? Is it the cold emails? Is it the referrals from friends, right? Like, what does that process look like? And a lot of the times it's really, you know, like kind of a, a black box that nobody knows about.
1: Absolutely. Brett, what are your thoughts? What are you seeing from your experience? You actually come from the education side. Is buying broken in education from the school perspective? Give us your thoughts here.
2: Yeah, well, Mateo, first of all, thanks for having us on today. Yeah, I spent 16 years in public education in New York City, and only the last really three years have I been fortunate enough to travel the country, both from the ed tech side doing partnerships, uh, consulting, the nonprofit space, and Kind of my epiphany was my first ASU GSV back in summer 2021, you know, just post everyone getting vaccinated, and really learning about the ed tech spaces to like what is the process and how did something that got a lot of pub at like an ASU GSV or an ISTI or a South by Southwest, how did that be the product that ultimately was what I was offered as a New York City high school principal? And I have come to the realization, and I think this is what sparked this partnership with me and Jacob in co-founding Edlit is Not the best solutions are not necessarily what are making it all the way to our students and our educators. There is a number of various reasons for that, but what Jacob and I definitely learned is in talking with uh, education leaders that we trust, as well as ed tech leaders, innovators, people who are creating these spaces, is you're just not getting access to the right people. There's a lot of inefficiency in trying to generate connections or leads and really securing partnerships. So I think what me and Jacob really did the last Two, three months of 2023 is just listen. What is right now not working for you if you're an education leader and you're authentically searching for innovation? What's not working for you if you're an ed tech leader and you have this great product and you have the right mission and you're someone we believe in should be talking to ed leaders? What are the friction points for you? And so I think that's what we realize is people are spending either a lot of money and still not getting to the right people or the best products or the best solutions are still not getting in students' or teachers' hands. That's what's broken about the procurement system right now.
1: Jacob, give us your thoughts. How does an EdTech founder in today, 2024, how do they get feedback? How do they uh, bounce ideas? How do they get an idea of maybe where their solution might fit? Who is the best person to speak to out of school? Give us your thoughts here.
0: Yeah. So a lot of it comes down to kind of hiring the right people, right? Is a lot of ed tech founders will, you know, once the solution has an MVP say, okay, Hey, I'm ready to build out a sales team, right? I need a VP of sales. I need to hire some AEs. I need some SDRs, whatever that looks like in their stack. Right. But I think the one thing that's always missing is as they're screening applicants or they're hiring somebody, it's like, Hey, everybody talks a great game. Hey, I did X for this company. I have tons of contacts, this and that. While I tend to believe everybody, right? Like, hey, you have amazing, you've had great success at a different company, right? If they're going into a brand new company and the solution is SEL, right? Like they might not have an SEL Rolodex of people at districts, right? Or they might not have an academic Rolodex, right? Like I spent 10 years on my end selling into private and independent schools right so i was building relationships because we had a product for for families and the mom and dad were opening up the pocketbook to purchase right so the relationships i was building was really like what can i offer this person where i build trust where they actually uh, trust me enough to give me access to their families right because the product went directly to parents where that's very different than xyz company who has a product a saas product that is price per student, right? Like that selling pattern is a lot different, right? And with ESSER dollars coming to a close here, you really have to have solutions that are hitting pain points for the decision makers, right? Like in California, as you know, right, we have ELOP dollars, we have Prop 28 dollars, we have all these different buckets of uh, dollars available for school districts, and can we now get the right solution in the hands of districts where they can use those buckets of dollars but then also right like we have a huge state right there's el dollars there's migrant student dollars there's reading and literacy dollars so it's really making sure we are helping the district with their pain points versus just giving them a solution to say like hey what do you think about this where there's a time and a place to really get feedback on things, right? If it's a good solution and they're just looking for pilot, uh, they're looking for districts to give them, them them some great feedback. That's amazing, right? Like let's get them some feedback. But those might not be the, the folks that are buying that solution, right? Like feedback versus actually purchasing are kind of two different things on the spectrum.
1: Absolutely. Brett, talk to us about EdLit. So you guys are actually bridging companies with schools um but you guys are also doing some exciting things where there's actually something in it for the community the schools that participate why might um an administrator you know want to get involved why might a founder might want to get involved here with what you guys are doing at Edlit give us a quick rundown here
2: yeah again thanks Mateo so Edlit stands for empowering districts through learning innovation and technology so again those last few months listening tours right we launched on Thanksgiving 2023 we really spent about the month prior to that, just really connecting with all of those champions in education. So again, Jacob's an expert on the pain points on the uh, EdTech side. My empathy is always going to be with the education leader in the community. So what I noticed was, regardless if I'm supporting an organization as a consultant or I'm working there full time, I just want to make sure that someone I trust in the world of education is vetting this for me. And what I found was those champions, those people who are authentically taking the time to do that, they're usually overtaxed, right? They're also running districts, they have families, and now we're asking them to do another thing and the logistics and scheduling. So what we started to think about is how do you show value to these education leaders? Because they are ultimately potentially going to help an ed tech uh, organization scale or be profitable or you know get a series raise. And they don't care about that stuff. They care about, give me good products. So what we decided in founding EdLit is the pain points that many education leaders face, one, scheduling and travel. They already have to attend whether it's through their state organizations, affiliations, and then you know numerous other affinity groups or ways they want to stay connected and make sure they find innovation. They're traveling to solutions. That right off the bat cancels out so many people who for either again family commitments or just day-to-day the, the difficulties of the jobs don't want to leave their district, right? It's not feasible. So we need to bring solutions to them. Rural districts, uh, districts that are just continually overlooked that lack innovation because they're just not provided access. So that was one pain point we wanted to address. The second one was they're giving up their valuable time at the expense of something they could be doing to support their district. So EDLIT's uh, hyper-focused on making sure that uh, for leaders providing evaluative feedback in these virtual listening sessions and learning sessions that they're given a scholarship, a charitable donation is made in their name to the organization of their choice once they complete the session and fill out a evaluation form for the ed tech leader. And then for the ed tech leaders, we spend, we say we provide one coaching session, but it turns out we find ourselves trying multiple coaching sessions because we want to make sure that the way that they are speaking to education leaders establishes their credibility, establishes that their mission aligns to the purpose of what these district leaders are hoping to find solutions for, and that they're actually engaging in a conversation. So as Jacob mentioned, a lot of uh, edtech organizations found their MVP and they come to you with a solution. And ed leaders constantly are telling ed tech, do not come to me with an, a finished product. Come to me with a work in progress that you're looking to find partners, to implement, to learn together with. And that's really what we're hyper focused on right now. So, the only way I'd say we're being selective in who we'd like to bring into the EdLit circle and family is when we talk to EdTech companies and we find that they do not seem authentic in that. And they really are just looking to close deals, make sales, think they have the answers. We've said no already to some EdTech organizations because it doesn't seem like they're aligning. However, for those that are authentically looking to listen, learn, and grow alongside ed leaders, those are the ones that our education leaders constantly say, bring me more people like that. Even if they ultimately don't foster a partnership right there, they've established respect, credibility, and can be used as a thought partner in the future when you turn around and say, I took your feedback. This is our new 2.0, or this is what we're now thinking. Would you mind looking at it and giving us feedback? Those educators are going to say yes time after time because you've built your credibility and that you value their time and relationship.
1: That's awesome. Thank you, Brett. Jacob, what should an EdTech founder's mindset be as they enter this meeting? Because like Brett said, you don't want to be selling. You want to really just have your market research feedback hat on. Uh, what advice do you have for EdTech founders that are considering you know, working with EdLit, but priming them for how they should be approaching these calls and, and really this time, this valuable time that they're getting with all of these parties, right? Give us your thoughts here.
0: Yeah. So I think a lot of it comes down to kind of what you and I talked on the last time we were together, right? Of really listening with empathy, right? Like we all understand that to keep the lights on, there need to be some version of sales being made, right? But I think if you go in with that approach of like, hey, I need to close this deal. Like most people know exactly what that kind of meeting looks like, sounds like, and like the air in the room, right? Versus actually going in and genuinely saying like, hey, I have a solution, but like, I would love to just like, if we spent 30 minutes get of me getting to know you, like what district were you at? Like what brings you joy and passion every single day? Like that is nine out of 10 times going to lead to a second meeting, right? Because we've built some rapport. And, you know, I always talk about rapport. I don't mean rapport in like a, you know, slimy way of like making sure you get to a second meeting, like genuine, like, hey, if there's a path to us doing some version of business together, I want to make sure that I am helping you hit your goals at your district right? Like you have a, you want students to read earlier, or you have a social media guy that you're looking to build, like whatever the pain point is at that district. Like if you can find that out, then it really kind of helps you craft that rapport with somebody. Because when you do some follow-up, right, there'll be a 30 minute meeting. it will be whatever that first meeting looks like with a education leader, right? Like my goal always is to get to a second meeting and to have enough knowledge from that first meeting to really craft a genuine message. Like, Hey, you know, thanks for sharing that you spent 10 years before this position as an actual teacher. Like I never lived that life, but like it gave me a new perspective on like the teacher's journey into the potential district office or whatever that may be. Right. So you're really trying to learn as much information as possible about that person and about what their pain points are. Right. There's always the analogy of like, you know, are you selling a, aspirin or are you selling a vitamin, right? Like are you truly getting to somebody's true area that they're looking to impact, right? Like in California, we can talk about ELOP again. We can talk about migrant students. We can talk about EL students. We can talk about students that are speaking a second language that we're trying to have them learn English, right? Like there's so many different areas that people are focused in on where if you can get to like the two or three a district is truly working on, it might not be for your solution. Right. Like, but you've now built enough credibility where like you now have a trusted person in the space where like, who knows in three years, if you're with a different company that sells SEL solutions and you talk to them about SEL and that, that, that was the biggest pain point at their district. Right. Like these things, I love Brett because we both think very similarly, right. We think like 10 years out, like if this meeting goes well, and this person is on our team now for the next 10 years doing sessions, and I can call on them at any point and say, hey, what do you think about this? Like, how would you do that if you were thinking 10 years out?
2: Yeah, can I just add something that uh, really resonated with what Jake just said. So one, exactly, I've learned in the past few years, right, transitioning out of education, ed tech, nonprofit, consulting, you know, now doing work with a lot of AI, great organizations, the relationship. Uh, transcends titles, transcends geography, transcends roles that you have the people in your Rolodex that you can text or call or book a Zoom with, or when you're at conferences, you can't wait to just catch up on life. Those are the people that if you share common missions and value, like share mission alignment and values in education and what kids deserve, you're just always going to find through lines to connect and, and and amplify each other's work. One thing that I wanted to share, because, you know, Mateo, asked a great question, like how should uh, ed tech leaders be thinking about these meetings? I'd love to share an anecdote from our very brief time with Ed Lit on what not to do. So we are very clear, you know, we provide these 60-minute virtual learning sessions with five leaders that you've identified in a specific title. So you need a social-emotional learning directors or curriculum directors or assistant soups to oversee that specific content area. And you want to try to find a roadmap to California, Texas, New York. We help find those exact people so that you're actually talking to those that can Appreciate the work you're leading and don't have to say, oh, you know, next meeting, I'll bring this person. No, they are the person. They probably will still need to go back to their to the relevant stakeholders and regroup, but they, they can talk the talk. So we try to cut through to that. But we also are very clear. It's so amazing to me, especially EdTech leaders who are former educators, which we've worked with many who are like, they actually, we said, you know, be very brief, concise and ask many questions. There should be a conversation, not a pitch or a, a strict demo. And so one of them, while we say, keep it to five, 10 minutes max, and then make it a conversation or extend it, but make sure like after each data point or slide, you're doing to establish credibility, asking questions and like authentic questions that help you solve your problems. One person spoke for 28 minutes. And afterwards in our debrief, we said, you know, just want to highlight you spoke for 28 minutes. And they were like, well, we just wanted to get through it so we can get to the conversation. And I said, you know, as a former educator, if my teacher said that, or if I said that after a lesson, my principal, they'd be like. You've lost them then. If the whole goal of it was to get through it, you just kind of wasted a great opportunity with people. So I just want to highlight for anyone, like treat conversations how you want to be treated. Never take 28 minutes of very important people's times that in our case, you're dedicating your time and resources to, to just get through something. They know it, they feel it. They're not waiting 28 minutes. You know, in this case, it worked out. They had a great session afterwards, but you want to, from the first minute value and recognize their time and treat it like a conversation. And what are you going to learn from them? You're not there to talk at them, so free advice for folks that uh treat them like conversations, treat them like people, and treat them the way you want to be treated. Never try to just
0: and matteo, Brett brought up a good point, right? We had a different partner where we had our session just this last week, and we, at, in our coaching session, we gave the same kind of feedback like let's go through your deck. What do you hope to what does success look like, right? I say that I swear more times than not during the week, right? Like in an ideal world, what does success look like? three weeks removed from the session one week removed from the session right after the session right and what questions are you hoping to gain clarity on right and the person we were working with really took that to heart and the next time we met with with him and he had his deck there was questions on every single slide right like this is our product what do you think about this based on what i've already shared here's our pricing is this too high is this too low like Let me paint the picture of what this price actually goes into, right? Teacher cost, curriculum, platform. And like he was the model person to really get good coaching because I don't see any of this like, I'm awesome, listen to me, you need coaching from me. But like I've done this enough where I know what really good meetings look like and what really poor meetings look like, right? Brett has 15 years plus experience of being boots on the ground from the college and career office to a principal to the district office, to being a nonprofit, like he knows the lingo for educators and 28 minutes of one company talking is way too many. I mean, I put myself in the shoes of those educators. At that point, I'm checked out. Yes, I'm there because I am interested in the solution. Yes, I want to give good feedback, but like almost half of the time really learning about a solution versus being engaged, it was like night and day on how the sessions went, right? It was really going in saying, we're here to truly listen. Yes, we want to tell you about the solution because we want your feedback. And that's a part of giving you the example of you know what we do, why we do it and where we already do this. But we're looking for insights from you on how do we bring this to districts like your district?
1: Love it, guys. So. If anyone's listening, please check out Ed Lit. They're bridging literally K-12 and Ed Tech. They're doing all the heavy lifting. They're getting you the very important people's time on the calendar and you're getting the feedback that you need to grow and just internalize and, and leverage for the next one. So love what you guys are doing. For anyone listening that wants to like maybe inquire about scheduling one of those calls or uh, maybe just picking your brain on uh, what success might be May have looked like for other ed tech companies. You know, where's the best place to reach you guys?
0: I'd say we're both pretty active on LinkedIn. You could also find our emails on there. I feel like I'm on LinkedIn as my primary uh, social media these days, as uh, you know, there's so many great people to learn from there. Uh, but I'll, I'll turn it over to Brett.
2: Same. LinkedIn is definitely the best place. You can book meetings with us directly there. I'm sure we'll drop some links when this gets produced of how to best find us and how to learn more about Edlit and. As you said, Mateo, and Jacob too has said this, you know, me and Jacob met because we just really wanted to, we just kept asking each other questions, right? I was brand new to this space. Jacob was a great mentor and friend, but that's what I have found. Uh, right now, if you're just, if you need a thought partner, that's something where I've learned that has led to some some of my best uh, and longest lasting friendships in education and now in ed tech. So if you're looking for thought partners, you want to learn more, you find us and we'll, we'll drop some helpful links there for you.
1: Cheers, you guys. Thanks so much. And uh, for everyone listening, we'll catch you all in the next one. Thanks, Mateo.
0: Thanks for listening to the EdTech Marketing Podcast with your host, Mateo Elvira. We hope you enjoyed our deep dive into all the tips and tricks you can use to help grow your EdTech audience. If you're keen to see these ideas can be applied in the real world, Join us on the next week's episode. As always, you can head over to Elvira.media to learn more about our digital marketing services for EdTech brands. That's all for this episode, folks. See you next time.